As I said, I want to talk about kindness tonight, and it's because I've been experiencing a lot of kindness and being present for it and touched by it and um, actually feeling it in the body and the heart and not just thinking about, oh, isn't that nice what that person did, but having a visceral uh, reaction and response when someone has been kind and um, so I thought I wanted to investigate that as, and, and how it's part of our practice and how it's actually a very important part of practice this invitation to kindness it's something the Buddha talked about so it's not like coming from left field and what started it for me was I was at a baseball game on and it can be the simplest thing. I was at a baseball game on Wednesday night, and I was getting some chips, um, t tortilla chips for dinner, and um, it comes with a little salsa and a little guacamole, and I wanted to get a side of guacamole as well because I wanted more than what just came. And I told the woman at the counter, and she just gave me two big extra scoops of guacamole for free. And it was like... That doesn't happen at baseball stadiums. Nothing is for free. <laughs> and I was just deeply touched uh, by that kindness. It was really quite um, extraordinary. And then today I was at Trader Joe's and um, I bought something and I, I, I found, I bought some, I thought I was buying decaf tea and turned out it wasn't. And I went back and I said, oh, can I just exchange it? And the guy said, oh, let's see. And he goes, oh, it's not on the shelf, blah, blah, blah. And he looked it up and... He said, oh, it's discontinued, and let me give you money. Anyway, he was just really kind and friendly. Sometimes when you talk to people, it, it, you feel like you're bothering them, even though it's their job. Um, you feel like you're bothering them. And, and um, I'm also um, part of a nonprofit, and we're having our annual uh, uh, gala, and people are being very generous and, and supporting it, and I'm just so touched and I mean, somebody let me into traffic the other day. So there must be something going on with me. And I was like so touched by that because I wasn't even asking. They kind of voluntarily said, oh, please, you first. And I'm like, oh. So A, I must be super sensitive. But B, recognizing kindness when it's there and, and not coming from the place of entitlement, which is how so many people operate you damn well better give me that extra guacamole or, you know, you better let me in. You better, you know, that place of aversion. There's a, there's a, you know, it's not aversion that, that I hate you or anything, but there's this, this, um, uh, what I want to say a sense of separation, but there's this kind of a stance that's taken. It's like, I dare you. I dare you to cross this line instead of just coming from this place of openness and, and um, accepting. And then I also have noticed when people are more self-centered, just in a, in a, in a, in, in a uh, kind of juxtaposition to the folks who are kind, I'm recognizing when folks are being uh, less, less courteous on the freeway, shall we say. I was in some bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic this afternoon and the other day, and just noticing people have like, got to get, got to get where I got to go. And I'm just, you know, cause I, I, me, me, rush, 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 rush. And we're in this place of 
I got to take care of instead of recognizing that there's more than just us in the world. And, and, and as I was reflecting on kindness, I was reflecting on, you know, or remembered the Dalai Lama's quote, which I think probably most of you remember. He said, my religion is kindness. And for someone as esteemed and as wise and as, you know, who's been practicing since he was a little boy and has so much wisdom and, and such a, 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 an open heart to say that his religion is kindness is a really powerful statement, I think, to, to the importance of uh, kindness in how we move through the world. Because kindness is this antidote to aversion. It is this antidote to greed of mine and its entitlement and and you know get out of my way instead of this generosity of spirit, which is what kindness is. It's a generosity of spirit. However it manifests, um, it's a generosity of spirit, and it's so important. And then again, I was led to this quote that's in one of Sylvia Borstein's books. She, she saw it on a sign, I think, in her very first day-long retreat, and I like using this, and you've probably heard me say this as well. Life is so difficult. How can we be anything but kind? You know, if you reflect on your life and you reflect on the difficulties you've had in your life, understand that everyone else has also had difficulties. Some maybe even more than you. Some less, but, but no one gets out of here without having challenges. We may, you know, they're different for all people. I, I used to um, babysit for a woman who said, and I guess it's an old saying, she said, you take everybody stands in a circle and throws all their troubles into the middle of it and everybody takes their own troubles back. Because, you know, it's like, oh, other people have some serious things going on as well. But we're, you know, we, we judge our insides and their outsides. They look like they got it going on and we don't know the story. So that's why it's important to be kind, recognizing that other people have challenges and difficulties. And then the other day I, I went to a Dharma talk. It was a Zoom Dharma talk with Larry Ward, who's a teacher I really, really love. He's a student of Thich Nhat Hanh's, and he's been practicing for decades. And he gave, his talk was on what he called enlightened love. And it was ultimately about the Brahma Viharas, but he he is so eloquent on colonialism and systemic oppression, etc. Um, his he wrote a book called America's Racial Karma, and really, really insightful. And and as he's talking about you know colonialism and imperialism, he is also talking um, very serious about the importance of love and the importance of compassion. You know, and he said, we have to live in a non-colonialist, non-imperialist kind of way. And colonialism, imperialism is about, is driven by economics, driven by wealth building, you know, driven by I, me, mine. You know, and, and if, if some of it trickles down to you, great, but I'm going to make sure I have mine. Um, I think about, and I've said, I've used this example a lot. Um, my husband watches, watches these shows on the History Channel or whatever it is about the captains of industry. 
And it's even, you know, the captains of industry back in the, you know, the late 1800s and even in the last century, you know, the woman who invented Barbie and Mattel and the, the, the captains of the toy industry and, you know, and, and the people who invented, you know, Hershey and Mars bars and, you know, and every single one of them is rivalry, rivalry, rivalry. And how do I get to be number one? And it's like, you're making a pretty good living being number two. Uh, but no, we have to be number one. It's competition, 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 continual growth, continual movement, and that's 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 the society. Is that's the that's the um, what did what did Larry say? He said we are. I, I can't remember the exact quote, but he said we are. America is a business that's pretending it's a country, um, which is which is kind of true. America is a business trying to be a country. Everything is driven by economics, and we're addicted. Con- addicted to consumption. Again, it's all, you know, economics, getting mine, getting mine, getting mine. So kindness is breaking that mold. Kindness, especially intentionally kind. If we, you know, not just little holding, even holding the door for someone, but holding the door for someone is an act of kindness. So to recognize and celebrate that and see how we move through the world with kindness you know, it's not an easy task. It's challenging to get out of this place of, and it's a lot of it is fear driven. I, me, my, where's mine? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be taken care of? Am I going to have my needs met? And that's because the focus is so much on I and me and mine. And instead of being fully present in the moment and aware of what's going on around aware of the bigger picture. The Buddha gave us the metta sutta. And metta, which is usually translated as loving kindness, is also translated as friendliness. So there's loving kindness, there's kindness in that word, but friendliness. Kindness and friendliness. You know, it's this gentleness. It's not this rigidity, this striving kind of way of being. But there's a softness, there's a there's a groundedness there, in this this this, it's it's actually a place of freedom and power. If you can act through with kindness, there's a groundedness that's supporting that. When you're not kind, I know in my experience, when I haven't been kind, it's because I've been focused on me, not necessarily consciously, but how I'm how I react to the world that seems like a threat so I better I better clutch I better hold on um, you know intention in in the second noble truth excuse me the second factor of the eightfold path wise intention goodwill friend metta kindness you know friendliness we live in this way which is an antidote to ill will to anger, to aversion. So kindness is incredibly important. It's a manifestation of, of um, yeah, how we want to move through the world rather than how we react out of fear. Um, kindness is a necessary part of the path. It's an absolutely necessary part of the path. And it's supported by meditation. We can... When we, when we practice mindfulness, we can calm down. Larry Ward said this, we calm down 
and see clearly and then it makes space for our heart to open. When we can see clearly, we're not just kind of clutched and clinging to mine. There's a spaciousness. And I'm sure each of you, each of you have been practicing for a while. And so I know each of you have touched that spaciousness when there's, and sometimes we don't even notice it because we're in our heads. But that moment when there's no need for anything to be different. And, and so often it's when we're in nature or experiencing the natural world, not that we're not part of the natural world. You know, we tend to separate ourselves uh, mentally that we're not part of the natural world, but watching a sunset, watching an, an animal frolic or bird in a tree, listening to, you know, um, the, uh, 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 the ocean or a brook, water running, you know, there's a, sometimes there's this stillness that happens. There's an openness and a spaciousness. That's a place that kindness can flow from because nothing has to be different. It's just, ah, there's this place of ease. You know, and when we have this clarity and we're non, not reactive, we get out of the fight, flight, freeze, place of, of moving through the world and seeing clearly lets us do that we see when we're reactive I see it when, I see it when I'm in um in traffic because I mentioned I've been in a lot of traffic lately and when people are kind to me I'm very sweet and I've also been um yelling at a lot of people too not out the window or anything but just in my car because I feel like I have a right. You're not being kind, you dumbass. You know, things like that. It's like, you're supposed to be kind. Um, hello, Mary. Um, so, uh, but that kind of thing. Uh, so, <laughs> it's funny, but we do it. Um, so, seeing that, I, I see that I'm doing that, and I'm like, well, that's a little ironic. So, how can I practice differently? How can I bring that calmness instead of that reactivity? Because that's a reaction to somebody doing something I don't like. And they need to do it differently so I can come back to my calmness. If they would be calm, then I would be calm. But the question is, how can I be calm in spite of what they're doing? You know, how can I move into that rest, to that relaxation? You know, and ultimately to bliss, to joy, to tranquility. In the, in the factors of awakening, that's what's what included in there. It's a radical act. It's an absolutely radical act. This, this points back to what Larry was saying about, you know, colonialism. And there's a, there's a woman, Tricia Hersey, who is known as the bishop, the Knapp Bishop, and she has what's called the, the Knapp Ministry. Some of you may be familiar with her. In fact, she has a book uh, that's coming out this month called Rest is Rebellion. Breaking that cycle of going and, and instead, you know, resting, intentionally stepping out of the, the hamster wheel. So many, they talk about so many people after the pandemic said, wait a minute, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing? Why do I have to do this? You know, breaking out of the conditioning of our society, the I, me, my, where's mine. Some of you know 
because I've talked about it often enough, I'm a baseball fan, and I'm a Yankee fan, and Aaron Judge is a player on the Yankees, and he is, um, he's, he's having an exceptional year, and he has tied the record for most home runs by an American League player, which has been, which has stood for 61 years. And he hit the 61st home run the other day. And if he hits another one before the season ends on Wednesday, he will have the record for the American League. And the thing recently is when, or over the last couple of years, if someone in the stand catches a ball that's a, a record-setting ball, like this home run ball, they, they um, what they're saying, like, whoever catches this ball has won the lottery and the, the houses that, that set these things, auction houses, and say, say that the floor for this ball is $2 million. What? Yes. <laughs> if you catch this ball, it's $2 million. The ball, he, when, he brought, when he tied the record the other day, it went into the bullpen, so nobody caught it. It just went to another player who, you know, obviously gave it back. But I am sitting here going... My fantasy, because I do fantasize, I'm not always in the present moment. I tend to get lost in, in <laughs> if I had my way, this is what it would be. I would be the person in the stands to catch that ball, and I would happily give it back to him for nothing. Maybe some tickets to a game. Give me season tickets next year. I'll be happy. And a picture with you. Just to break out of this nonsense. This monetization of everything. Why does it have to be that way? Maybe this is a little bit of me, but it's the greed. Greed that has taken over. It's, it's as I said earlier, it's the foundation of our society. It's economics. Our laws are, are created to, uh, to, um, to protect wealth. Citizens United. So breaking out of that, acting in this place of rebellion and kindness is that. If I just caught the ball and gave it back, it would be an act of kindness without a worry about me and mine. You know? uh, the pull is so strong. It takes this clarity to walk in a different direction. And kindness, practicing kindness is that is one of those radical acts of connection. It's a radical act of connection. And Tara Brock wrote about um, kindness. And this is um, from, uh, uh, it's a, from an article in Psychology Today, which I think is, uh, is a, as a, um, an excerpt from her book, Radical Acceptance. It says, she says, one of the promises of Buddhism and most other spiritual traditions is that we have the capacity to awaken our hearts. There are ways to train our attention so that we actually feel tenderness and responsiveness in a visceral way. Our physiology has the ingredients that allow us to wake up. The frontal cortex has the structures to feel empathy and compassion and bonding. We have the mirror neurons that help us have that feeling of, I understand where you are. We have the chemical oxytocin that enables us to feel our connection with others. And kindness is part of this. Kindness is a way into this. Mindfulness 
um, gets those, those, activates those parts of the brain. You know, I've spoken about this many times, the, that mindfulness activates those parts of the brain, and that we have to reconnect with ourselves, our authentic selves, not, not the stories we've created or that have been created for us. Sometimes we're just carrying messages we received as kids. You are this. You are not that. And to the, let those go because they cause so much discomfort, so much suffering. Um, those programmed cells that we've been operating with, you know, once we let go of that through this practice, through whatever it takes, however we need to tend to this, then we connect with ourselves, we connect with others. And intentional kindness is a path to connection. Being fully present, dropping out of the head and being aware of others, what do they need? You know, is there something they need? Is there something there? Can we hear other people? Can we be present for other people? I talk about that a lot when I talk about generosity in, in, in the precepts and wise action. You know, being generosity of spirit, being generous with our time, being generous by listening. Being present. I'm so often in my head when I'm talking to other people thinking about what I'm going to say next. Instead of listening deeply. Deep listening is really, really important. In, in council training, they talk about not just speaking from the heart, but listening from the heart. Listening to viscerally experience the other person. What an act of kindness is that? What an act of kindness you know, being present, experiencing others. And if you, if you look at the Metta Sutta, if you want a little bit of a roadmap, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way to be. And, and the Buddha offered this to some of his monks as a way to uh, counteract fear they were experiencing. They were, they were uh, sleeping in a place where devas were annoyed with them being there and were scaring them away, and they were terrified. And the Buddha said, here, try this. And, it, and he, it says, this is what should be done by those who are skilled in goodness and who know the path of peace. The awakened mind is skilled in goodness and knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech. Straight, oh, humble, not conceited, not caught up in their entitlement. Contented and easily satisfied. You know, taking what's really offered, not like, where's mine? Unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. Peaceful and calm, wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, meaning that they live without harming others, without causing harm, without taking, you know, living by the precepts, living with ethical behavior, sila. And this is what they do, wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, all beings, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. 
With a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies and downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will, whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness. One should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. That's it. The metta sutta is this, this invitation to move through the world with kindness for all beings. Be present with clarity, with gentleness, letting go that, you know, of needing to have things your way, needing to have things my way. And not be harsh with yourself, too. Kindness for yourself is just as important as kindness for others. So I think it's, it's always important to be reminded of this. And I love that the Dalai Lama says his religion is kindness because, you know, you practice it as you move through the world. You practice it uh, on a daily basis. And I have to remember it as much as, as, as the next person because I can get all caught up in, huh, how dare they? I get to be kind to everyone even if I don't like them. Not liking someone doesn't give me permission to treat them like crap. That's why metta, the practice, the formal practice of the metta and compassion and joy is, includes difficult people. We don't get to pick and choose. We don't want to carry ill will or hatred or aversion in our hearts for anyone. We hold people accountable for their actions, but we don't have to do it with ill will. That's another, that's another um, road I can go down about how um, you know, people treat others that they don't like you know, with uh, not nice. And, you know, you see people in prison, um, people who are victors in war or win a battle, how awful they can be to other people. We can be so awful to others. Um, oftentimes, because of our conditioning, it spills out and we just continue it generation after generation after generation, which is why kindness is a radical act. Mindfulness is a radical act stopping, seeing clearly, cutting through the fog of conditioning and, and being present and kind for all beings. So thank you, my friends, for your, your kind attention. It's always a delight to be with you. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.